before sharing the message this morning, I want to lead us in prayer for those impacted down in Uvalde, Texas. And to do that, I'm going to read some scripture coming from John's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 28. And to get, give you some context, this is Jesus traveling to Bethany, the home of, of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, some of Jesus' closest friends. And Lazarus had died. And Jesus is walking up, and, and everybody is grieved at, at what has happened. And this is where we, we jump in. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. And as soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. The word that is translated from the Greek, deeply moved, actually means more like angry. Jesus was angry at death. He was angry at the sin that is in the world that has brought about death. So we oftentimes wonder how God feels about injustice like we saw in this shooting of innocent little children getting murdered. Well, he, he is angry at this sin, angry at injustice. And then a few verses later, Jesus wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. Um, God cares. God, God loves. And he, he is grieved deeply um, by what has happened. So why don't we take a moment just to be still and to reflect and to grieve and to, to pray for these families that have lost loved ones, uh, for a whole community that is just shattered um, at the moment. Let's pray. Father, there are no words to communicate the sense of loss that has happened for these families in this community. Lord, we know that you are a comforter. Please send your Holy Spirit to awaken the love of Christ for the people there. 
please uphold this community as they search for answers and there really aren't any. Please help Christians to respond as they ought with kindness, with comfort, and really just being present. Lord, help chaplains and, and pastors and, and other ministers who, who are, are seeking to, to pastor the people through this, this terrible tragedy. Lord, will you take this terrible bad where you work good in this situation for the people's good and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, hands down, my favorite season out of the four is fall. When I think of fall... I think of bonfires, um, I think of football games, I think of marching band competitions. The, the fall has a uniqueness to it where you can't do certain things in other seasons that you can do in fall, like going to the pumpkin patch with your family. Um, all sorts of fun things that you can do in fall. So fall is unique. Biblically, fall is unique for another reason, because it's harvest. When the Bible was written, as you know, everything was built around the agricultural seasons and, and fall being harvest. So if you didn't get a, a good harvest in fall, then you were really worried about where your family was going to be at during the winter. So a good crop was something to really celebrate, but an unproductive crop was really something to be deeply concerned about. As you know, we're finishing this morning a sermon series on seasons called Renew. Now, not the earth's natural seasons, but spiritual seasons that we walk through as we abide in Christ so that God may produce spiritual fruit in and through us. A spiritual season of fall is all about reaping or harvesting that which was sown before in previous seasons. Fall is harvest time. Having a good harvest spiritually is almost always dependent on what has been sown before. If you weren't pruning during wintertime, if you weren't plowing and planting during springtime or watering in summer, then you're probably not going to have a productive harvest in the fall. Now we're using these natural seasons as comparison for spiritual seasons, but these things are very true spiritually speaking as well. The Apostle Paul writing in his letter to a church in Galatia said it like this, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows in his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. 
But the one who sows to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is, will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we can sow from our flesh, our sinful nature, selfishness, and then we will reap selfishness, those, the product of those selfish actions. Or we can sow in the Spirit and reap spiritual blessing from God. So the application is clear. Be careful what you plant in your life because that will soon produce a harvest later. Job, in the Old Testament, gave an example of this principle. He said, in my experience, those who plow injustice and those who sow trouble reap the same. So if we sow good things into our life, we're going to have a healthy, good harvest in our relationships. But if we sow bad things into our lives, in the way especially that we treat other people, then it's going to cost us later in the harvest, meaning broken relationships and, and harm. If you habitually choose to neglect time in God's word, then you're going to reap spiritual immaturity. If you allow anger and bitterness to take root, then you're going to reap broken relationships where people don't trust you. They, they sort of avoid you because you're, you're angry and you're, you're bitter. If you fail to, to pro produce generosity in your life, the fruit of that will be greed kind of being miserly. If you listen to the, the temptation of just one more drink of alcohol again and again, eventually it's going to control your life and alcoholism will be the result. If you give in to lust-filled thoughts and actions, will eventually destroy your marriage. If you keep giving in to fear and worry, you're going to be paralyzed by those feelings. So you get the picture there. I was thinking about this and, and examples of this like in movies. And there are actually some really good examples of this principle of what you sow is what you're going to reap. And I thought of three different movies. There's A Christmas Carol, and of course that's a classic novel, play, and, and movies. But then, more recently, The Family Man and Click. And in each of these, you have the main character who, in all three, they're men, who have decided to invest more into making money and their career at the expense of their family relationships. Fortunately, they're fictionalized characters. So part of each one of those stories is they get a glimpse into their future, into the result of the direction that they were heading, what they were reaping due to those selfish actions, and they get a second chance where they get to come back 
and to have sort of a do-over. But unfortunately, we oftentimes don't have that luxury. And we need to understand that whatever bad habits we sow in our lives today, we're going to reap tomorrow. So we need to be careful to sow good habits into our lives. A dictionary definition of a habit is a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. But on the other hand, we can sow good habits into our lives and see the good fruit of those habits later. We can daily remind ourselves of the love of God and meditate on what Jesus did for us on the cross. We can daily set aside time of, of Bible reading and prayer. We can daily seek to, to memorize scripture. We can set aside time for worship with God's people, our local church family. We can choose to, to make it a habit to, to serve others as a spiritual discipline. And all of these things are going to matter in the end. What we sow is what we are going to reap. It's just a spiritual principle that God has put in our lives. So that's a little bit about fall. Spiritual season of fall, that is. It's a time of reaping that which was sown beforehand. Now, let's turn the page as we did with the other spiritual seasons that we looked at and go beyond understanding what that season is like to talking about what are rhythms and routines that we need to take during this spiritual season of fall. Just like in the natural seasons, the way that we do life in that season changes and adjusts as per that season. Well, it's the same thing in a spiritual season. There's seasons of blessing. There, there are leaner times or harder seasons. And we need to know what rhythms and routines to take and focus on in that spiritual season. Well, with fall, we need to submit to God in fall time. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, speaks of a harvest of spiritual change that God is working to produce in our life through his sovereignty. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace or a harvest of peace and righteousness for those who have been trained by it. So don't ever let Satan convince you that you are condemned if you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ and that God is making you pay for your sin all over again. That's not true. But it is true that God does discipline his children. In fact, that's a mark of being a child of God. Because there was a time, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you were on the outside with God. 
that you were alienated with God because of your sin. You were not a part of the people of God or the the family of God. But God is so rich in love that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross to take the punishment that we all deserve for our sins and to rise again. To give us the hope and the promise of eternal life if we'll turn from our sin to trust in him. Those who are followers of Christ are truly reborn. They have a new spiritual nature because they have been adopted by God into his spiritual family. One of the greatest ways of understanding the gospel is through adoption, where we were orphans spiritually. But God has reached out and brought us into his family, adopted sons and daughters of God through the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Discipline isn't fun, but it's necessary. And if you're a parent, you know this is true. If you don't train your child with discipline, later on, they're not going to live a very good life. If you just give them what they want and let them do what they want to do earlier on, then they won't be prepared for adulthood later on in life. Discipline isn't fun. It's hard. But God is using those seasons of of discipline to teach us and then ultimately to help us have more peace and joy in our life. Just like the writer says, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time but painful. But later on, however, it yields the harvest of peace and righteousness by those who have been trained by it. So in fall season, we need to make sure that we're submitting to God and having our ears attentive to what God is is teaching us through discipline in our life. And then next, what do we do in, in fall season, a spiritual season of fall? Well, we need to be patient for the harvest that God is working to produce in us and through us. James 5, verses 7 and 9, speak of patience. Therefore... Brothers, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers, don't complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. We live in this instant world where we think everything is microwaved. If if we have to wait for any amount of time, we think something is wrong. But in God's world, spiritual growth simply does not work like that. We have to be patient for it. And one of the best things that we can do is just focus on today. Being obedient and being faithful today. And if we're faithful today, taking it one day at a time, we're faithful tomorrow and the next day and the next day, then we're going to reap a harvest in our lives. Galatians chapter 6 
Verse 9 is, is a fa favorite promise of mine from the Bible. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In due season we will reap. So there is an appointed season by God in your life if you are faithful where you will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. As long as you are faithful, God is going to be faithful. He, you will reap a harvest. This is a scriptural promise that, that, that you can claim every single day of your life. And this also brings to mind something else about seasons. You see the word here? In due season. In the Bible, there are two different ways it speaks of time. There is chronos time, that's a, a word, a Greek word, chronos, where time is like we keep it on a clock. It, it happens in minutes, it happens in days, it happens in weeks and years. That, that's chronos time. The way that we often speak of like at Two o'clock, I have a meeting I need to attend. That, that's chronos time. But there's also kairos time in the Bible. That is more of the word that is used right here in this verse. And that word is better translated season. So God has appointed seasons in our life to produce that which he has purpose beforehand to produce. And it's up to us to recognize what season that we're in and then figure out what rhythms and routines we need to take to be faithful to God in that season so that we might produce later on, by the help of God, the Holy Spirit, the appropriate harvest that God has planned. And it's like that in the church too. We all look forward to a time of renewal, in our church family of spiritual growth and revival, new people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But, but to get there, it's not easy. It takes corporately the same type of faithfulness to receive that, that harvest that it does individually in our walk. Seeing people grow in Christ and, and seeing people come to know Christ happens in seasons too. We need to be focused on being faithful to God week after week, serving in ministry, faithful in repenting and turning from sin, faithful in influencing our own families to keep Jesus first, faithful in, in sharing the gospel, faithful in worship, faithful in, in learning more about him through his word and in applying that message to our life. Faithful in, in encouraging and, and helping one another. Faithful in forgiveness. Faithful in love to the vulnerable. Faithful in, in reaching out to the outcast and the lost. And then faithful, especially, in seeking God in prayer. What we need for our church is a bunch of Christian servants who are like spiritual farmers. Who are willing to, to sow. Who are willing to be faithful. Who are willing to do the hard things, who aren't caught up in the instant, who aren't caught up in, in self-gratification, 
but are willing to put their heads down and be faithful in the long term, trusting that God will bring a harvest in due time as long as we stay faithful. I also want to mention, too, the the verse 9 of the James passage that I just read, because there's some good instruction in this as well. It doesn't seem like it fits with the rest. Let me read that to you again. Brothers, don't complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Now, the rest of the passage is about waiting, waiting for the Lord's spiritual harvest that he's promised. And then he ends that section by saying, brothers, don't complain about one another. So how do those two things going go together? Well, I believe they go together in that, that as we progress, as we seek to work together, as we long and, and pray for a spiritual harvest, we need to be on guard not to get impatient with one another because it, it's so easy to, for example, hear a message and rather than thinking about, this is just an example, about how does this apply to my life? What are some changes that I need to make? Rather think, well, they really needed to hear that, right? It, it's so easy to start blaming others and complaining as we wait for the harvest that God promises to bring about as long as we are spiritually faithful. So brothers, sisters, don't complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. All right, so that's the second thing that we need to do in fall season of the soul, to be patient. Third, we need to store up in fall Something that has to happen in fall, naturally speaking, is preparation for the winter. In fall, you store up food for the winter. During a spiritual season of harvest, we need to be ready for a spiritual season of winter that will inevitably come. When winter comes, we need to be reminded of God's goodness to us. We need to give thanks to the Lord. This is why Thanksgiving works best in, in fall. Every November we have Thanksgiving. We need to be reminded of answered prayers that God has given us. We, we need to be reminded of the truth of, of God's word that he's shown us as we've walked through with him in, in different seasons of life. We need to be reminded and to give thanks for the blessing of, of relationships that God has put in our life. It, this goes along with the, this principle goes along with the story of Joseph in, in the Old Testament, in, in Genesis. Joseph was one of the patriarchs, and his brothers actually betrayed Joseph and sold Joseph into slavery in Egypt. He, he ends up in a prison and then through God's providence um, guided him to where he was the second in, in line basically to the throne in Egypt. He, he was like the viceroy of all of, of Egypt for the sake of, of Pharaoh. 
God showed Pharaoh some dreams that Joseph was able to interpret, and he saw in the future that there, were, there was going to be a famine. But God was showing this to Joseph so he could get all of Egypt prepared for this famine so that they could store up and be ready for the famine time that was coming. It's like that in our lives. When God gives us a time of harvest, we need to be ready. We need to store up in that time of harvest in the fall time for leaner times that are going to come inevitably. And the best way that we do that is through thanksgiving. It's through audibly praising God and giving him credit for what he has done in our lives. And then last, what do we need to do in fall? We need to be repentant. We need to repent and ask for restoration. God can restore wasted years. You've heard me speak about this principle of of sowing and reaping. And you may feel like, well, I've already ruined my sowing time. I've, I've ruined my, my opportunity. Well, things aren't as fatalistic as that with God. God is a God of, of second chances, and God can restore wasted years. He, he can help you if you return to him with repentance. Let me just read to you from the prophet Joel. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to me, the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him a grain offering, and a drink offering for the Lord your God. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. That was from Joel chapter 2. So look, God can give you a second chance, but he's not going to give you a second chance if you just go headlong into the same disobedience that you have been living in. To get this type of restoration from God means you return to God. You consider your ways and you repent of those sins that have been stopping you from doing the will of God in your life. And if you're willing to do that, God's saying, who knows? Who knows the type of blessing that I may pour out into your life? And use you again. So in closing, are you ready for a time of harvest that is to come? Not just in our lives right now, spiritual season of harvest. But upon the second coming of Christ, the Bible shows us that there will be a great in times harvest. Are you ready for that? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? In the Bible, God's coming judgment of, of separating people, those who belong to him from those 
who don't belong to him. It's compared to a great harvest that is to come. Jesus presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's slaves came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? When an enemy did this, he told them. So do you want us to go and gather them up? The slaves asked him. No, he said. When you gather up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until harvest. At harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but store the wheat in my barn. So in this parable, and a parable is just a spiritual story to... Uh, it's just a story to tell us a spiritual truth. So in this parable, you have a man who sowed seeds in his fields. And in the meantime, an enemy came and put weeds all in his fields. Jesus said that the world is the field. So right now, in the time that we live, there are people that belong to God in Christ, who have a relationship with God, who are his followers through Jesus Christ. And then there are people that are of the enemy, that are still living for themselves, and they don't realize this, but they're doing exactly what the enemy wants them to do. Jesus said that in the end... He is going to send out his holy angels to separate the weeds from the wheat. Those who do not know him, that who are still living in their sin in rebellion against him from those who do belong to him, who have loved him by the grace of God, who have trusted him as their Savior and as their Lord. And those who do belong to him will get to enter into eternity and will spend forever with God in the new heavens and new earth. But those who do not know him will spend forever separated from God in a terrible place of torment called hell. And I ask you this because there's no question more important in this time. Are you ready for this great time of harvest? That is to come. Only you can answer the question. Only you know what is inside your heart. Is it faith in Jesus Christ? Or is it faith in yourself? Living for your own will. In selfishness. In sin. But there's good news. While you're still alive. There's an opportunity for you to repent of your sin. To believe in Jesus Christ. Today can literally be the day of salvation. 
You can have eternal life, the promise of eternal life with God forever right now. Is that you? Do you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? And then if you already have and you have been walking with God, have you recognized as we preach these different spiritual seasons, what spiritual season you're in? What is it you need to do to walk with God in this spiritual season that God has placed you in? What does he want from you personally? How is God speaking to you personally? Let's go to him in prayer. Lord God, we love you. And we pray that you would help us to be faithful to you daily. Help us not to waste time in distraction and, and sin, but press forward with our gaze clearly focused on you, Lord Jesus. Help us to lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles and help us to run this race in faithful, faithfulness and let us expect the blessing, the harvest that you have promised for those who love you and have sown in the Spirit. But Lord, we, we pray for those who may be here today that are still in the flesh. Their mindset is, is still apart from you because they are separated from you. Lord, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would awaken them to your Son, Jesus Christ, and draw them to him so they can repent of sin and follow him. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Will you stand with us this morning? And if you need to come and, and if you need help to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm, I would love to be able to do that. If you have other decisions that you need to make public with this church family, I'm here to help you with that as well.